Welcome to Mystics and Broomsticks Podcast with Melanie Dawn and Tanya Ryan. I am so excited about today's episode because I feel like I've been waiting months to do this. I have finally um, arranged schedules with Midnight. Midnight is a witch I met at uh, Witchstock, which is an Alberta shindig. I don't know, for lack of a better word, we can get into a way midnight, you can amend all of my errors that I'm going to make. But I just, so what I do is when I have a guest on is I usually introduce them based on how I met you and what I know you to be. And then you can feel free to like throw in and amend anything that you want to after. But so I met midnight when I was at Witchstock, which is, um, this really cool event that happens. It's set up by Alberta witches association and uh, Midnight was there hosting um, or facilitating a few workshops, courses, that kind of a thing. And you did such an awesome job. Um, I will tell you as a sidebar, one of my favorite things you talked about in your workshop was actually overcoming imposter syndrome. Um, and I want to kind of maybe get into that. I have it in my um, kind of like list of questions and things that I want to talk to you about today. Uh, but welcome. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. I am excited to be here. Um, and Oh boy, don't mind my brain deadness. <laughs> I pause. <laughs> no, you take uh, all the time you need. This is a very low key environment. So just, you just, we just, we just chill here. Um, it was wonderful meeting you at Witchstock. Um, Witchstock is our yearly weekend retreat of workshops, rituals, and getting to know other witches in the community that you may not run into because I'm in Northern Alberta, you're in Southern Alberta. So it's a great connection chance. And it was really what got me onto the path I'm on now. <laughs> so that was actually my first question is like, what, what brought you into witchcraft? Like where did you, have you always been into witchcraft? Did you, was it Awa that started you? Like, tell me, tell me where this like originated for you. For me, I have, um, for basically as long as I can remember, I have been learning about energy, different beings, spirits. My first teacher that I actively remember was when I was eight years old. Um, and uh, she was a wonderful Cree lady that saw something in me and decided I needed to be taught. <laughs> That's so cool. So when she, did she tell you what that was? Like, she's like, here's what I'm noticing about your energy or her way of wording it was that I had a deep connection to spirit and I had a reason to be here. And if she didn't do what she was supposed to and educate me properly with respect, then I could do a lot of harm in the future. So it caught me off guard, but I understand it more now. <laughs> okay. Well, we're, we're, we're glad that she, she was there then. Yes. And then, um, okay, so you've been dealing with energy stuff since you were quite young. And then when did it kind of transform into more witchcraft or or just witchcraft? I shouldn't say it was more than, but. Like a lot of us, teenage years. Mm. My early teen years, um, I had tried being a Christian. I tried going to Pioneer Girls and trying to find connection with, um, I tried Buddhism. I tried exploring as many different things. And I couldn't find something I fit with and that I could say, yes, I believe this. And I've always been of the stance. If you can't stand up and say, yeah, I do believe all of this, then don't claim that title. Mm -hmm. 
So do you okay. feel like witchcraft was sort of, um, it, 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 your beliefs fit under the umbrella of witchcraft? Yes. I was very lucky to first encounter, um, the world of paganism on an online, they used to be message boards, real old school. I'm dating myself here. Um, <laughs> But I found an eclectic tradition, which really focused on learning what you truly believe it was so I could be myself, but still belong. And it was through that that I really got into the witchcraft aspect of the energy work I was already doing and started to blend it with science as well. Mm -hmm. It is cool how much there there is that does overlap with science like if I could like PSA to everybody which like that would be probably the thing I would love for more to be more globally known is how much of it is backed by science and how much of it is like psychological and and being able to essentially like hack your psychology um a conversation that I always imagine having with a friend he's very scientific and he's very um like he's very supportive of what I do while simultaneously not really subscribing or believing in any of it. <laughs> um, but I feel like a good conversation he and I would have, cause I would love to talk to him about like, cause I know that he'd come at me with the argument of the placebo effect. And I just want to be like, exactly. Like, I just want to be like, but exactly. It's, it's leveraging placebo effect. Like, or, you know, some things can be anyways. So um, anyways, I love any of those like scientific crossovers. Absolutely. Like placebo effect. That's actually how I explain magic to scientific minded people. Scientifically, there is no reason why it should work for those people. Yet it does. You've labeled it placebo effect. We have labeled it magic. Oh, yes. Proven our point. Mm hmm. Okay. Love it. Love it. So, so, so much. Um, and then how did you find Alberta Witches Association? Um, it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, my work had, I worked retail, my work had shut down and I was really missing the sense of community that I had had. I mean, that was decades ago that I really had that community sense. Um, so I started poking around. I happened across, I typed in Alberta and witches and it came up on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So I went in, started to get, you know, explore a little, um, new groups. I'm usually very quiet, but people kept asking questions that I had answers to. And it was answers that made sense to a lot of people. So that boosted my confidence in sharing what I know. Awesome. I, um, I feel like we have, so, uh, our audience with this podcast, we have like a lot of, I think, you know, intuitively inclined people, but I would say, uh, we have less people who would claim the title, witch. but I do feel like we have witch curious people. So if you were going to maybe extend like information on witchcraft or witches or what it means to be a witch, or just kind of like, like how I said my PSA to people like to know about witchcraft would be like, it's actually very scientific. Um, that would be something I'd love to share more globally. What would your, like, what would you share with someone who's witch curious? 
For the witch curious, first off, I would say you got to know what a witch is and a witch isn't before you're going to be able to claim any title. To me, a witch is any person who deliberately, with intention, directs energy outside or within them for a specific result and claims the title of witch. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people say, you know, you can't be a witch if you're this or if you're a part of this religion or if you, you know, some say males can't be, which is balderdash. Um, <laughs> understanding that basically anybody can be a witch if they fall under doing it. Mm -hmm. Now, what does it mean doing it? Well, simple enough. If you've ever blown out a candle and made a wish, you're doing it. Mm -hmm. You're setting attention. You're having action and deliberately funneling your energy to a result. Right. But you also have to claim that title. So I can't look at you and go, okay, she does all this stuff. She is a witch unless you tell me you are. Right. The other big thing I say is before you go flunking around in spells, please, please, please learn how to ground, shield, and protect yourself. Please. Mm -hmm. That was okay. So this is perfect because this is a segue to some other stuff I wanted to talk to you about. I took um, so much away from your workshops. I loved them, by the way, just like I know I've told you that, but I really did. Um, and I was so I, I even loved it. Oh, I, there's so much I loved about your workshops. One of the things specifically was uh, obviously the information was was so great, great and so helpful, um, especially I have read so, so, so many books and to have information come that felt new because I, I just noticed, I don't know if you notice this about books, but I feel like I just read sort of the same information all over and over. And so even though I love the book and I love the author and I love how it was presented, I feel like I'm not getting anything necessarily new from that information. So I loved that your workshops really introduced me to things that I hadn't heard. Um, I also loved that when you were doing, cause you did a demo and I know I told you about this, but you were doing this demo and I could feel you moving the energy. So I also just thought that was really cool. Um, there was, anyways, there was so, so much that I took away, but, um, the grounding and the protection, I did not realize that, uh, you kind of accidentally pointed out to me some issues that I'd been having <laughs> and like, you didn't address them directly. I don't know how to explain this exactly, but you're like, blah, blah, blah about grounding. And then you're kind of saying these things that could happen. And I was like, Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Cause I totally have, I'm a naturally really grounded person. I have naturally very good boundaries. And so in a lot of my workings, I haven't prioritized grounding or protection. Um, because it's almost like I have those settings on default, but what I noticed was that you pointed out was I was like, Oh, but when I am having issues, it's probably cause I'm not doing extra grounding, extra protection, like going kind of above status quo, and, and anyway, so that's been so wildly helpful. Do you know how much less sickness I have had just since August? Awesome. It's, awesome. It's so, so great. So, um, I don't know if you have like a little tangent you want to go. I have questions I can ask. So <laughs> let me know if you have a tangent you want to go off on, like that you feel strongly about in regards to grounding and protection, like go off or yeah. I can ask some things. What do you? 
You mentioned that you're naturally a grounded person and that, so you don't normally add on to it. That is like saying, I've got really good brakes on my car, but I'm not going to put on winter tires before the blizzard. So that's one thing that to me is really important is doesn't matter how good you are at it, how naturally it happens. It's that deliberate intent, which makes them so much stronger, so much more effective. And it puts it in our forefront of our mind. So we can feel if that's not quite right, we need to do a little bit more. Okay. So let me stretch this analogy just with a real life situation that I had with my car. (laughs) So I didn't have my winter tires on and it was a day where we got a sudden like weather shift and there was a lot of sleet, a lot of ice. And it was, uh, I learned that it was taxing the system in my car. Like, so I had an alert go off on my car and found out that that system was under strain because I didn't have my winter tires on. So if we take this car analogy and really stretch it, it's sort of like I am experiencing the symptoms in my body of that strain on the car system because I didn't put my winter tires on. Doesn't mean my brakes don't work great. And I could even be a really great driver, but without, but the winter tires are going to help kind of get every, everything, support all the systems and all the functions. Exactly. Okay, look at like That's exactly I love, it. And I love a good analogy. We can stretch that even further going, well, because I have good winter tires, good brakes, my systems are all working well, I don't need to wear my seatbelt. That's hey, those protections we do on ourselves. I'm getting a, like a good accountability check here and I, I'm oh, living for it. So thank you. So I don't mean to call you no, out. No, this is wonderful. I, I love being called out. I mean, no, I don't. Nobody does. But in context, when I'm ready, when I'm calibrated and I'm mm-hmm. calibrated. So I'm I'm calibrated to be called out right now. And I'm, I, I no, I love it. Um, Because I have had, I've been having an internal conversation with myself about grounding and protection. And I actually even have an episode um, from last year where I talk about how, and I would actually love to hear your opinion on this. I do think that sometimes the protection aspect of witchcraft can be really fear-mongered. And so I rejected some of it because I was like, oh, it feels like you're making witchcraft scary and inaccessible to people because you're over amping all this protection stuff. Um, but I learned, I, I could have even been from your walk, workshop, but just over this past year, I've been like, oh, protection from even energies that people don't mean to send out, like even in, in inadvertent energies, like evil eye based energies, which sounds scarier than it is, right? Like just when people are insecure and being envious or whatever. And it's just all human. It's there's nothing bad or wrong with being or having those feelings, but they do send off or can send off a certain amount. And especially for people that are energetically sensitive. Right. And so, um, I think I'm being, uh, my relationship to the word protection is shifting this year in how I kind of perceive that. That is so important because like you said, it's like putting on that seatbelt. You're not being fear-mongering that every time you go into your vehicle, you might die. Right. It's just in case somebody else's vehicle fails or the ice patch, none of your good equipment can handle. And at the same time, another vehicle hits the same patch. Mm-hmm. So a lot of unintentional things you're protected from. Um a friend that I know doesn't like the word protection either. 
she calls it her defenses. Ooh, oh, I like that. And another one calls it her magical boundaries. Yes, I'm I'm a yes, boundary. I can I can totally get down with a boundary and I love the defenses one. The defense, the defense um gives me a little bit of like Harry Potter, which I like as a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> so I I I think I will adopt either and both of those titles. I kind of I'm gonna play around with those. And then um the other thing that was such a huge game changer for me that you brought up was uh ritual drop. Yes. Uh, that I, I think just, just knowing that that exists, um, because, uh, I think, and I might, I know, well, I probably am paraphrasing something you said, but how the information went into my head as you were talking about it was, you know, you, you were talking about witch stock in this context specifically, you were like, Hey guys, you're at this like really big kind of energetic schmur of like all these people together in a, in a pile and we're trading energy and we're, it's like a lot. And, you know, you might have these big you know, feelings or big experiences. And then you might go home and that you kind of get like a little hangover, a drop, like a, like the whiplash effect of that. And even taking that, and I'll, I'll let you elaborate on what ritual Mm -hmm. drop is, but I just have to tell you where that, um, so in my uh, past life, in my real life as my job, I'm a musician And I wind up at these like big events and I wind up in these big settings with lots of people. And I used to get just so sick all the time. And so to even be able to calibrate that energetic, I never considered the energetic impact of those events. Like never. I, I was like, this is my job. It's my work. I just go do my work and I go home. And yet I get, I would just get sick so often, so frequently. And having the context of ritual drop has shifted things for me. And I truly think I have been so much less sick and so much less frequently sick. And I know it's only been like three months since, um, since witch talk, but even just in those three months, I've noticed it. Especially since, you know, flu season, um, you're going to see the difference. Now I actually learned originally about drop because I'm part of the kink community. So I learned about it there. And then I started to adapt that to Looking at my life energetically, activity-wise, I'm neurodivergent, so I was starting to try and find out why my brain does what it does. (laughs) So ritual drop really is, when you're at a ritual or a high-energy event of any type, all your levels go up, and this includes chemically in your brain. Well, you've got to come back to normal, but unfortunately, normal's way down. So you drop and you go through big emotions. You can go through appetite changes. You can be susceptible more to illness if you don't take yourself, give yourself a little break. It also means that you could be more susceptible energetically, especially if you are energy aware for other people's emotions. Um, So you have to take extra steps, not only for your own sake, but for those around you. It's not their fault you're dropping, (laughs) but also letting them know so they can keep an eye on you. So would you say that some of your ways to um, like lessen the impact, I guess, if that's the right way to say it, of ritual drop, what would be some of your suggestions as to how to manage a smoother transition from a high energy space into 
every day? First thing is, I always say, check your mundane factors. Make sure you are hydrated or can slowly get hydrated. Slowly, don't gulp down liquids after a big ritual. Make sure it's a slow intake. Same with whatever you have for comfort foods. So for me, my sugars drop after a lot of energy. So I'm hitting fruit and chocolate and nuts. Those are mine, especially chocolate covered fruit. because That's my ultimate comfort. Also, physically, you may feel suddenly cold because that energy is not coursing through you anymore. So suddenly you're chilly. Have something to wrap in that makes you feel cozy. And make sure you're in a safe, quiet space. As safe and as quiet as you can make it, you don't want to be adding more stimulation onto your already overstimulated system. So that's the do the mundane first, then small, short meditations. You don't want to try and force yourself into a half hour meditation or anything like that. Little things, again, so you're not overtaxing yourself. Roundings, breath work techniques. The biggest one, be kind to yourself. Another aspect, journal, record. Record what you're feeling, record what's coming up so it's not stuck in your head and it's not stuck in your energy. Mm. You can get it out. And then you can come back to it when you're in a better head and energy space. That's so smart. I think um, I've definitely noticed the, um, after energetic work, I need, I always need to eat. So I've noticed the sugar drop too. Um, And I have had, so I like that you specifically have been like, here's my foods. Like, here's what I go to because when I'm, when I need to eat, I just need to eat right now. So I'm going to take whatever is right there. And so sometimes that's, you know, great. It's nuts and it's wholesome and it's nice. Other times it's not. It's like whatever else is fastest. So I like the idea of kind of almost like pre-planning for the drop, like pre-planning, like, oh, hey, here's some stuff that like resources, like you're going to kind of get, get yourself bolstered so that it's almost like setting up a cushy, you're like, I'm going to fall here. So like, let's put some cushions down. I recommend prep like before and energy wise to prep yourself for the aftermath. Start your hydration before the ritual. And if able, some you can't, but if able, some during the ritual as well. I try to plan pauses in what I do or have taking a drink as part of a ritual. Oh, yeah, that's smart. I like that. Same with, I like to offer food at the close of a ritual to the energy beings that help me, my my spirit team. So I share food with them as part of the ritual itself. But like you said, also having your aftercare kit as part of your witch toolkit. Your comfort items, easily eaten and nibbled comfort foods. Hydration, maybe a couple of different types. I know for me, I follow the three drink rule. One for hydration, one for caffeination, one for fun. (laughs) I have that in my kit as well. Yeah, perfect. And I'm a smoker. So yeah, my smokes are in there as well. And so is a lighter just in case the one I have on me died in ritual. 
which has happened. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that, um, I can't remember what it's called right now. Um, I just, I know you have kids. Um, I don't know their ages. Um, but do you, do you think you've heard of that post something like when their kids come home from school or daycare or, or whatever, and they kind of have that collapse, it's like post restraint collapse or something. Do you think that's kind of like a form of ritual drop in a, in a way? Absolutely. Like I said, ritual drop doesn't just apply to magic. That's why I said any high energetic situation. School, ask any kid. School is a high energetic situation. Mm -hmm. There's politics, there's drama, there's emotions. And then there's the overall stress of the learning system. And especially if the kid is neurodivergent in any way, trying to force into a traditional school mold, when they get home to their safe space, they drop all the pretending drops and they have to go wild for a bit to get that out. That's like journaling after a ritual. Right. So we could like potentially if you've got like a, a spiritually inclined kid or an energetically inclined kid, we might be able to even take that on as a project with our kids to kind of go, yeah. hey, let's build you like a little post school mm -hmm. care kit or something like that. That would be fun. I'll do that with my kid when he's older. I think he's he's little right now. I just make sure we got snacks and like they get downtime. So whatever that looks like, like I let my kid it's sort of like a free for all once they, when they get home from preschool day home, it's like, do you want to watch the iPad? I don't care. You can do whatever you want that makes you feel like you're at home and you're cozy. That's what you get to do. Um, but do I like the idea of having space? a care kit. Sorry, say that again. Do they have a cozy space? Their own cozy spaces. Yeah. That's a really, especially I have two tourist kids, so we're going to need to be building them their own <laughs> cozy space. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so my kiddo, we built a den, a little den for, and Love it's that. actually the top of an old hutch, but we attached a blanket across the front. We added lights inside. There was a hole. So the charge cord for the iPad could be in there. We put in a dog bed and a pillow and that was his cozy space. It was in the living room so we could still be involved, be there. But he also knew that if he was in there, we didn't bug him. We would knock. It was his space. He also knew that if he wouldn't come out for, say, meals or whatever, he missed meals. <laughs> he didn't get hot food. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I know. I really like that. I think that's such a, that's such a cool idea. And then I am a Scorpio and I used to just make dens in closets. <laughs> so yes, my kiddo now has his bed mostly in his closet. And because it has a really long curtain instead of a door, he drapes that at the end of his bed. And he's just, he's made his own little den. <laughs> love it. I love it so much. Um, I want to know about some of your experience in over, like what it took for you to overcome imposter syndrome or like, cause again, that's another thing we just, uh, have no, Mel and I have noticed a lot with the podcast when the feedback we receive is, um, the things that people show interest in and imposter syndrome is really high on that list. Um, so what are some of the ways that you've overcome your imposter syndrome and how you eventually kind of like let yourself go into teaching and, sh you know, shut down that voice or manage that voice? Or how did you, how did you, how, how was your journey through that? So I'm not all the way through it. 
I will be completely honest about that. Um, it is a journey, but I am much farther along than I was. I, the big thing is, is I had to attack it with logic because I am autistic. So logic, logic is that, that black, white it's there, which is, and sometimes it's gray, but it has to fit into a yes, no kind of situation for, am I really a witch? Well, my definition of a witch, yeah, I've taken up the title. Do I deliberately use the energies around me and through me? Well, yeah, I do. And then I go through, okay, what spells have I done? What was their result? This is why I personally believe record keeping is so important. Not just journaling, absolute record keeping of here's the spell I did. Here's the date I did it. Here's the results I noticed. Because that's the only way you can go back and get that yes, no answer. Did the result happen? See, this is why I call it a science because we're, we're over it here is. tracking our data. <laughs> exactly. We have to track our data. One, because we have to constantly defend ourselves. <laughs> Two, Seriously. we have to defend ourselves against ourselves. Yeah. The other one is I call it the coincidence list. How many times can something happen when it's no longer a coincidence? So I go through and I list things that just scientifically shouldn't be, but are because of magic, because of the spiritual beings, all of the things I believe. And go through one by one going, okay, is there another explanation for this? Not at this time, nope. Not by conventional scientific methods right now. Yet it happened. Confirmations from others are huge. They're hard to receive. Somebody looking at you, and, and it's true for you, too, is saying how bright your spirit is, which it is, by the way. Oh, thank you. See, there, it's not easy to receive. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. But those moments of, wait, they wouldn't say that. All these people wouldn't say that. If I'm not showing them the truth of it, if I'm not authentically showing them this. Mm -hmm. The biggest one, honestly, for me, though, has been faith. Do I believe with the whole truth of who I am that magic is real? Well, that's yes. Unequivocally for me, it's absolutely yes. Well, if that's true then humans can wield it. That's the nature of what magic is, is that it can be wielded. Well, then that's yes. So it's a skill and I've learned it. I'll continue to refine it. I'll continue to learn more. So it's that, again, that logical process, I guess it is. <laughs> so when you're going into situations that feel like, nerve wracking, or as we were talking about earlier, nerve sighted. I liked that word nervous and excited. Um, what is 
do you have any, like, do you have any methods, like whether they be spiritual or logical, like going into a situation where you're like, Oh, this is like, you know, to me, those are those moments where we're facing the imposter, like we're moving through the imposter mm-hmm. syndrome. Maybe we've already made the commitment. That's like, well, okay, it's happening. <laughs> now I just have to like get through it. Do you have any practices that help, um, ground you or make you feel a little yes. bit more prepared? From the moment you messaged me and said you wanted to do this, I have been fighting the imposter syndrome. (laughs) So I had to make a game plan for myself. The first was one, get to know the environment. So I did listen to some of your podcasts, you know, felt the flow of things, felt the energy, the way it flowed. And I'm like, okay, I can, I can be in that without too much problem for myself. Next is I wear a lot of talismans. Every piece of jewelry I wear, I don't wear it just because it's that stone. They have been magically set for specific intent and purpose. So when I'm in situations like this, I don't have to think about it. It's there. I also have my altar set right there. That is the altar I have set for whenever I'm doing anything online, including my teaching, even when I'm writing, it's right here. It helps me formulate my words better, have a smoother flow of communication and connect to my authentic truth. Love that. Um, Would you be willing to share um, like I'm almost asking, oh, I am asking selfishly, but because we're on a podcast, there'll be other people that benefit from it too. <laughs> would you be willing to share any, uh, specific grounding practices that you would recommend to beginners? Like, so when I said there, we have some witch curious people yes. would, what would you say? Okay. Hey, you know, if you're going to enter, you know, the realm of witchcraft, witchery, please welcome, but here's, you know, here's your seatbelt or like, here's some tools I recommend to start off with. I like to say, start off with a simple breathing technique. Um, I add motions into mine because, again, that's how my brain works. I got to be doing something with my hands. So the one that I follow the most is a triangle breath. A lot of people have heard of square breathing. This is a triangle breath. So I breathe in through my nose for a three count. And when I'm doing that, I bring my hands towards my core. I hold for a three count and I breathe out through my mouth for a three count. This makes one of the strongest shapes in nature, a triangle. That shape also sets up a circuit so that you can ground, you get focused on yourself and your energy comes in. When you, when I breathe out, I forgot to say, I move my hands outward again. Just that visual and motion representation of what I'm doing with my energy while I'm breathing. So I can do a quick demonstration of it if you want. Yeah. Okay. So it's in two, three, pause, two, three, out, two, three, four. A couple of quick times through it. And it settles me right down. It's also something quick and easy that can be done anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Without, because that's uh, the other fun thing about 
witchcraft is um, sometimes when we're going into it, we feel like we got to be closeted or not comfortable mm-hmm. necessarily being as showy. Um, I like that one a lot because that one's you could do it in your car. Oh, I could do that anywhere and it would be like not obvious. I do. I lived in the broom closet for a long time. I was very open about being a witch when I was a teen mm-hmm. and my life was miserable for it. Yeah. Right. So I ended up going deep into the closet when I um, married my ex. And it took me a long time to feel safe enough to come out. And that's another thing. That's part of what Awa helped me do was start being public again. I feel like the, <laughs> the, the broom closet is such a real thing. And, uh, I'm going to share this really weird dream I had because to me, this is what burning witches looks like now. Cause obviously I don't think we are as a society are going to be burning people, but I had this dream. It was terrifying. I was so glad to wake up from it that my family like put me into a program. Like it felt like conversion therapy, but Mm -hmm. something, but anyways, I was just in a trailer. I was tech. I was not in a prison. I was in technically a safe space, but everyone kept saying they were so worried about me. They revoked my driver's license. They took away all these freedoms from me. And they're like, you need to stay in here until you're better. And I got freaked out when I woke up. Cause I was like, I feel like that's how we would burn witches today is we would just like put them away and tell them they're crazy. And and to fight that would be so hard in my dream. It was anyways, I was trying to fight it, but then I just looked crazier. So then I had to like actually go with it in order to like, try to get my driver's license back, try to do anything. It was terrifying. That's actually, um, part of my life story. Oh, in a way. Well, there, I was dreaming about you, I guess. <laughs> Partly, like I said, when I got with my, all through high school, it was really bad. I got with my ex and he convinced me that all the witchcraft stuff, everything I was seeing, all of that was a sign that I was mentally ill. Oh, no. So he took me to counseling and psychiatrists to help me. And literally, it destroyed me. That and other things, but... It really destroyed my sense of personal power. And that's what witchcraft is to me. It's personal power, personal accountability, personal choice. So what would you say to someone that is trying to like discern that the boundary, because obviously we do want to make sure that people Mm -hmm. are having mental health as a priority and that, you know, we are still tangibly connected to Mm-hmm. society in the physical world so what would you say i guess advising someone who's feeling like they need some touchstone yeah so the touchstones that i personally have used and i do advise for others is one that keeping records and looking back to success rates and that that helps discern if you're finding that the results after you're doing things are not there or you're finding that the logic that you used for this spell is completely different from this, but you know, there's no stability in it. Then it might be time to start questioning. question everything. I don't care if you read it, hear it from me, hear it from a spirit that comes right out of the sky, question everything. 
the minute you stop questioning and you blindly follow, again, that's when I would start to worry. That's, that's really good advice. The next one is really important, especially because of mental illnesses and uh, conditions that can come about is one, check what you're going through against the uh, MR5. If it checks all the boxes off on one particular thing, perhaps it's time to talk to somebody to make sure. Mm -hmm. The other part of that is, how does it make you feel? Mm. If you are not feeling connected to the world around you, if you are not feeling like whatever happens around the world has any sort of effect on you that's when the war that is big red flags that is warning signs if it makes you feel despair again that is warning sign and if by doing whatever it has and i don't care what religion or practice this is makes you feel unsafe or unwanted either it's that teaching and you need to run as fast as you can or you may need some counseling because something's going on maybe it's post-traumatic stress syndrome maybe it's a trigger that you need to heal within yourself Mm. that's so helpful thank you so much um i have just thoroughly enjoyed this conversation so thank Mm -hmm. you for making time for me um if anyone's trying to find you so do you have a website do you have a place where we can reach out to you I am on Facebook, uh, Midnight Sun Guidance, and Pagan Pyography is my Facebook page. I am also on TikTok as Midnight the Mama Witch. Oh my gosh, I gotta follow. I don't think I follow you on TikTok. I gotta, I gotta get on there. I'm on the Facebook, but not, uh, not TikTok. So I'll have to do that. Um, Can I have your email address just in case anyone's not on social media? Absolutely. It is Midnight Sun Guidance. So that's M I D N Y T E. S-U-N-G-U-I-D-A-N-C-E at gmail.com. It's like a little spelling bee uh, challenge there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Perfect. Thank you so, so much for being here. I'm so grateful. And uh, thanks. This was fun. This was Uh, very fun. I'm so glad it was fun. I had so much fun too. Uh, And thank you all for listening to this episode of Mystics and Broomsticks. Um, If you want to reach out, you can uh, find us at Mystics and Broomsticks on Instagram, or you can reach out to me personally at Tanya Ryan XO on Instagram or wherever else on the internet you can find me. Have a wonderful day whenever you read read this, whenever you listen to this. Peace in, peace out.